As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Howdy, everyone. Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. Joined, as always, by my co-host, the one and only Steve Valiquet. Steve, how you doing? I'm uh, looking really good right now because I'm thinking about this uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Saturday morning, flying to Jackson Hole. Let's get rocking on this podcast, Arthur. Uh, that's nice. Uh, I'll be. We'll we'll make pass each other on the way down to the airport. We'll be we'll be flying to beautiful <laughs> Orlando for some Disney World action. So if anyone sees nice. either of us in either of those places, be sure to say hi. Tell us how much you love the podcast because we're very insecure people. So um, record my stride if you see me on the mountain. I want to see what I look like from behind. <laughs> so uh, we're coming off a uh, kind of one of those, you know. Uh, Litmus test type games against the Leafs last night. Uh, 3-2 overtime loss. Probably should have gotten two points out of it. Um, They're up by goal with you know under five minutes to go in the third. Chris Kreider, who has earned a lot of goodwill in terms of his play the last couple of years and his last decade, really, as a Ranger. Um, rough night for him. Still think he's, he's trying to play through whatever caused him to miss a week. Um, the upper body injury and just you don't see him get beat physically to a spot by a guy like Timothy Lilligren like he did on the tying goal and the OT goal when Rich Marner dances through all three Ranger guys on the ice and Shesterkin to win it less said about that the better uh Jorgalan I think agrees with us he said thought we played pretty well would have loved two points we'll take the one get out of here um you know it's been a bit of a mixed bag since we last recorded um, not a great loss to the Canadians at home, kind of a, a you know, a low event eh, kind of game, uh, a, a win in Columbus. That was pretty rote against a team. That's no good. Um, tough, you know, a game where they played well again against the Bruins, uh, last week that even if you play well against the Bruins, you're not going to beat them. They just do everything. It's seemingly they, they don't have a lot of, a lot of flaws in their game, even in just regular, you know, assignments, tracking, whatever they, they seem to be doing everything right right now. 
and a dominant uh, a, a game where they didn't play that well, probably in between the Bruins and the Leafs game, and they just scored a bunch of goals on a on an AHL goalie and and took down the Panthers. So it's been a mixed bag, but I kind of feel like, and I'm, I think you feel the same way, Steve, that that overall, I think we're seeing some good things from this team with their play from game to game. Yeah, because I think I get the sense that going through every team's schedule right now, and, and I mean every team that thinks they're a contender, every team that thinks they're going to add at the trade deadline, there's only about five good games against other good teams per month for the rest of the schedule. There are going to be a lot of nights that you're playing against the Montreal Canadiens and you happen to lose when you're a better team for everybody, not just the Rangers. So when you see the game last night and it's Toronto, New York, that's a big game for both teams because I think that both teams consider themselves Stanley Cup contenders and both teams are going to add and it's a big night for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I don't want to get lost in the fact that New York also saw Toronto's best and they've got big talent up front. And Lafreniere plays a game where he's not on the ice for a scoring chance. Uh, The young guys played a tremendous game. They could have really been line number one at the end of the night. And it didn't seem like they got enough ice time for me down the stretch. But what I saw and, you know, what I take away from that game, it's a positive experience. You lost in for better or worse, a skills competition three on three. So I don't take that seriously. And uh, look, after 48 games, okay, after 48 games last season, the Rangers were in sixth place. After 48 games this year, they're in 11th place. They only have one more loss in regulation this year versus last year. That's mm-hmm. it. Thir- 34 games to go. They're not that far off. And if we talk about the learning experience this team has gone through where they've lost eight games Eight games they've lost against non-playoff teams, at least at the end of the season, I will deem as non-playoff teams. I still see a lot of growth this year, Arthur. And I was looking a lot this morning at the difference between last year and this year. And I've seen so much growth in in so many areas and specifically uh, the penalty kill. They're giving up very little on the penalty kill now. And I think that's something they really need in the playoffs. They're not giving up a lot of high danger. I know they have an 11th uh, ranked penalty kill, which isn't in the top five, but I think down the stretch here over the next 34, that's going to really help them too, because you know how important that becomes, especially teams are important in the playoffs. And there's a lot I like. I'll tell you what, over the last seven games, going back to the Minnesota game, I want to say five out of those seven games, I'd be very happy with how we played, whether I'm a player, a coach, upper management. I think everybody should have a really positive feeling right now. And nothing feels more positive, especially coming off last night. And you mentioned Lafreniere, the, the so-called kid line, uh, Lafreniere, Philip Heedle, Capo Caco. I wrote in my recap from last night that at five on five, I put it out there that I think Caco has been their best forward for a decent amount of time. And, uh, you know, he was he was pretty snake bit at the beginning of the year. Whatever line he was playing on, he was getting a ton of Great A scoring chances. He led them in high danger chances at even strength, I think, for a lot of the first two or three months of the season. I don't know if he's still there, uh, but he just couldn't finish. And now he's really dropping his shoulder. He's, he's you know, getting to pucks. He's, he's Pucks are sticking to him on the forecheck where he's disrupting plays. That's kind of how, you know, I think he disrupted the, the Leafs breakout three different times before Heedle's second goal, which he set up off a nice feed from Lafreniere to him, which he started by the play to Lafreniere. Um, 
you know, we've talked a lot about Lafreniere, and I'm sure we can talk about him a little bit more and how more a little how much more engaged he's looked since since that line's been put back together. And certainly Heedle, uh, the hockey IQ, he seems to have a real sense now of where he can score from, and he gets to that spot. Um, but I think Kako's kind of been the a little bit of the forgotten guy, and he was the guy that I said at the beginning of the year, if there was one guy off this roster who was going to get traded by the deadline, who do you think it is? And I said it was going to be him because I didn't necessarily see this coming, and it certainly doesn't reflect. He doesn't have a big point total. He doesn't have a big, you know, the 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 basic numbers don't jump out at you. But I think when you watch him play, you see a guy who's who's transforming his game. So a lot to unpack there, and I'll start with this. It's so hard to be patient. And I mean for us too, right? Like I watched the game with John Giannone and we're in the green room around this time last year. And I remember us having this conversation about Heedle. You know, it was like, uh, what's that line from the movie? Uh, what exactly is it you do here? Right? <laughs> Office space. Office yeah. space. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what John and I were laughing about. And, you know, fast forward to this year. At this point last year, he had five goals. He has a great playoff. Now he's got 15. He's tracking towards probably 25 goals, the way yeah. he's playing. I love the way he's playing. So, you know, you try and, and this is where I want people to understand if I'm not, I'm not leaning on analytics, but what I do like to look at is I try to measure luck or I try to measure repeatability. And when I look at Heedle's goals, he's got 15 this year, three are empty netters, which is fine. I mean, Ovechkin's got six, nobody's taking those away from his <laughs> goal total, but he's got three empty netters. So let's just call it, he's got 12. And to measure luck to me, I like to look at the broken play goals. Like, do you remember the goal that he shot from distance in Montreal above the top of the circles that goes off Suzuki in the high slot? Yeah. You, you can't count on those year over year because you know, sometimes it just doesn't hit somebody's shin pad. But he's only had three luck-based goals, and one of which would have been last night. The I would call that a goalie error off the faceoff. Um, as many goals as I've met, allowed in my career at every level, I never gave up one of those. That's inexcusable. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a little bit further, though, I'm looking at his east to west goals, his one-timers this year. He's a great movement player, a guy that gets into space, out of space with timing, and then gets a shot off in very little space. I'm high on him right now, very high on him. Now, as I track down the list here, and I'm thinking the same way now about Kako, I'm with you at the beginning of the season. I'm like, where are we with this guy? Is he going to show? And now he's out there disrupting. He's out there managing the game. And I mean, smartly being on the right side of his check, knowing when to get the puck in deep, knowing when he can try somebody one-on-one and he's hanging on to the puck and protecting it. So he's adding more life and length to a lot of his shifts. You watch his shifts from last night. I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy is making it happen on the offensive side of the puck. So when I get excited about him, it's like, okay, who's next? And it's Lafreniere. Yeah. Can you have the same patience? I imagine that this is what these guys go through. I mean, I, I haven't really been in the manager's chair enough. I've, of course, spoken to managers in the room. But their day-to-day, it must be tiresome. It must be tough to try and be as patient as you need to be with the kids that you have. And you're trying to develop them. But it's really nice right now to see signs. And I thought, again, Lafreniere maybe had his best game of the season. And I don't want to just refer to points-based, but just his all-round game. Again, you saw Toronto's best last night. He's not on for a single scoring chance against. So 
that's something to build on. And if you're the player and you're on for three or four grade A's, four, which he was, they had the best line. And they were on for, I believe it was three grade A's and a couple of mid-danger fours as well. Then you're kind of saying to yourself, like, that's a win. We won our shifts. We won the night for us. And for the most part, that was the best line on the ice again last night in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were exceptional and, and really moving the puck around and, and it's on the road. There's no, they're not, you know, they're not sheltered from any matchups. You're either, they saw a lot of Tavares's line. They saw a little bit of Matthew's line, I'm sure. Um, because those guys are, they're trying to get away from the, from the top six matchups. And you know, that, that, that's kind of how they succeeded in the playoffs too. They really, it wasn't, it wasn't purely matchup based. They were scoring on anybody in that stretch of the Carolina series and the beginning of the Tampa sure. series. But but when they get themselves going, this is kind of the ideal Ranger lineup scenario where you've got Zabanajet and his line hopefully playing a little bit more consistently than they've played. Obviously, they haven't had a lot of continuity with who's been on that line. Um, and then maybe you've got a line that's a little bit more of a, a grinded outline with Trocheck and Goodrow or VC or Kreider, whoever's there. And then you can put this line out that has confidence going, coming out of their ears and knowing that they're going to go out there and do something creative and interesting and fun and kind of flummox whoever the, the other team is trying to throw out against them. And, and you throw off that matchup game, especially in a seven game series. And I think that worked a lot for them against Carolina. And it can work in the regular season too, because the the teams are still looking to stop guys, and there's certainly coaches who love to play that matchup game in the regular season. So it's uh, it, it creates a lot of advantages, not just to see three good young guys getting going and feeling confident. And then what does it set up? It sets up Goudreau, Gauthier, and Vizi, right? That's a line. That to me, that's a Stanley Cup winning fourth line. It really is. Uh, you got speed with Goche and Vizi can skate and Goudreau's very responsible uh, in a checking role. And the most important thing is, I know for sure, beyond a reasonable doubt, that Goudreau is fine being a 4C on that line because he's the type of guy that understands his role as good as anybody, which is why Chris went out and got him. And he can play anywhere at any time if there is an injury or poor play up, up in the lineup. And Goche, are you telling me that guy's not going to be happy to be in every game from now until the end of the season and through the playoffs and VZ as well? I mean, they'll give everything they have. So what are they expected to do? They're going to, they're going out on the ice with one objective. Let's keep the opposition in their zone. Let's run around. Let's create energy. Let's wear them down. Let's hit their D a little bit and let's get off. And then let's let Panarin, Zibanejad and Kreider go at it. Or maybe it's the Heedle line go at it. And I think that if everybody can buy in and win their shift, this is uh, this is something special that could happen because I think they have got the decor to do it too. And we haven't even talked about that. I think they've got the decor to do it. When you go around the league right now, everybody's got their warts and everybody would love to trim the fat. But under the hard cap, look at everybody's D. And I'm telling you right now, the Rangers D is a top five D around the league in the NHL. I can't, you can't say that Fox and Lingering can't handle number one minutes and Miller as well as he's playing and Truba, how he's really turned the corner in the last month is not a great, you know, second pair. And Schneider, I think has been really steady, really steady. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter. There's certainly going to be depth added, but I mean, for me, I'm, I'm happy with this lineup the way it is right now, Arthur. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So you've put together your ideal lineup where you've got your fourth line as Goudreau centering VC and Gautier. That leads us into our next conversation, which is what's going on with Vincent Trocek? Scoring-wise, it's been tough, and I think you know he's got no goals in the last ten. Um, and even looking on your site, his chances in the last you know since since he scored uh, in Florida on New Year's Day, it, it's a lot of low danger stuff from him. He's just not whether it's the the constant shuffle of line mates, um, not really finding a space five on five. Uh, it's been a struggle for him. You know, it's clearly not working that well with between him and Panarin, uh, Gallant. Seemingly for now, and it could change tomorrow when they play Vegas, or it could change when we get back from the break. Um, seems to have settled on Trocheck being he's he's kind of the like the higher skill version of Goodrow. He's going to play in a middle six, you know, grind it out, greasy type line. He's going to be out there for a lot of important draws, especially in the D zone, and he is their best faceoff man. So he's he's kind of a good example of what. I think Gallant wanted to see from Lafreniere, which is if you're not scoring, you got to be able to give us something else. And Trocek does give you that something else. He plays with an edge. He's he's got yeah, a lot he's got of a factor. Yeah, he's got a lot of buy-in from a coach that's had him before, and from a guy who was a big ticket free agent acquisition. However, um, where does he fit on this team? I think we were you and I were talking about it, and I wrote it off of one of the games not long ago before they made these line changes. Uh, I got a text from an assistant general manager and another team. The day that the rain, the first minute of free agency when the Rangers had signed Trocek to that seven year deal, and the text just was four words it said, Good player, bad fit. And I've had that in the back of my mind. It's, no one's rooting for it, but you did wonder. You had Ryan Strom, who was good friends with Panarin and also seemed to vibe with him on the ice. Uh, you know, Ryan had his flaws as a player, but they certainly, the, their chemistry was undeniable. They brought in Andrew Kopp at the trade deadline. He played very well with, with Panarin, even though he plays a little bit more of a straight-ahead type game. Um, then, and Chris Shuri decided to go for door number three, which was Trocek, and let the other two guys mm. go. So here we are, and it's not working that great for him as the quote-unquote number two center. I, time on ice is kind of fluctuates, but whatever. It's all top nine stuff. Um, and you... Uh, in this perfect alignment of the kid line is the kid line and you've loaded up the top line and you've got Goudreau centering the fourth line. Who are Trocek's ideal line mates? Do we have them on the roster yet? No, no, (laughs) but there's time for that, right? There's time for that. I think that, okay, hard to say for certain why Trocek hasn't worked with Panarin. Very hard to say because what I've seen in the past is that Trocek's very good at creating off of the East-West pass. He's been, uh, I think he was a 35 or 36% shooter last year, uh, where Strom was a 15% shooter. So I think that some of what we didn't like about Strom was that he wasn't finishing on a lot of the great setups that Panarin right. did dish to him. And, you know, by the same token, Trocek wants to play fast and he wants to play straight. And whoever did say that to you, if it was a GM or an assistant GM, they may have said it because it wasn't a great fit for Panarin. 
and maybe right. that's that was, correct. That was definitely. That's the point. Okay. So, all right. So it's not a great fit for Panarin, but it doesn't mean he's not a great fit for the team. And if I see it, an ideal Stanley Cup winning roster on paper, it certainly would include the kid line playing as well as they're playing that could easily move up and be the number two line, just as we've seen with, uh, you know, like Gord's line with um, Barkley Goudreau and Coleman in the past with Tampa Bay, where a lot of games they would just finish as the number one line and or second line. So you've got such a strong third line, let's just say, quote unquote, third line on paper, that if Trocek and the two wingers, they do choose for him. And, you know, when you come off the success of the previous deadline with Vetrano and Cop, I have full confidence that Chris and his staff can get two really strong players for him for the right amount. And if they can do that and find the right guys for him, and sometimes and a lot of times, this is a lot of communication too with the agent of the player, Trocek. And through the through the agent, the player can make some suggestions. And there's communication that's completely above board that can happen there. And I think that the head coach knows the player very well and knows how to play him and what role he wants him in. And he's a terrific player. This is, I think it's going to find a way to work out. You just have to find the right wingers for him. And then can you imagine your lineup? If you're going to go Zabanajad, Panarin, Kreider, the young guys, Goudreau centering the fourth. I mean, that's, that is a deep four lines. That's deep, deep, deep. And as I said, I love the D and of course I love the goaltending. Well, since you've thrown the GM hat on here, Steve, I'm going to throw out a couple of names to you that uh, that we're going to do a little bit of a, you know, we've written some trade stuff already, uh, just the what we're hearing type things. I'm going to have a trade board coming next week while we're all, uh, either you're skiing down a mountain and I'm sitting in a line somewhere to meet a princess. <laughs> um, but uh, the fans can definitely uh, debate this this group of players. Now, one name to me that I think I've heard mentioned as a possibility um, that would probably be a good fit for Trocek is Ivan Barbashev from the Blues, who had a big year last year. Uh, he's probably he's a pending UFA, not as good this year, but I, I think that's uh, that's everybody in St. Louis. That's why they're probably open for business in terms of selling. You know, there's definitely big names out there. We've heard Patrick Kane. Uh, you know, we've heard Ryan O'Reilly. Both you know, O'Reilly's hurt. Kane is playing injured. We'll see if he's even going to make it to the deadline in one piece. Um, there's Timo Meyer, whose name has been thrown around. That's That seems like a pipe dream for the Rangers just because of the cost to acquire him and the cost to keep him. Um, so I think we're looking more at guys who have some skill, you know, or kind of maybe uh, cut rate versions of uh, winger versions of Trocek, guys that have some skill that can put the puck in the net, but can also skate and forecheck and play with an edge and be that hard to play against line where you're essentially, like you said, uh, maybe a second or a third line if in the traditional four-line alignment, but can play whatever minutes you need. And obviously Trocek is going to get his face-off time. He's going to sub in. He's going to do whatever. So Barbashev to me is one guy. You know, I think Tyler Mott, who was a guy that was acquired by the Rangers at the last deadline and got hurt, came back in the playoffs, is a guy yeah. who can provide some of that third line. Moxie has some skill. Uh, you've got a guy in Arizona, and Nick Ritchie, who's a, a big body on the left side, uh, has you know has been a, a goal scorer at times in his career. He's faded a little bit at times, but he's also pending UFA. So these, to me, are the you know I think Adam Ernie in Detroit is another guy who fits in that contract. Fits he's scored a little bit in his career, but really is known more for being a bit of an agitator. And that really, 
it's not a slap at Trocheck to say these are going to be your new guys. The Rangers, you know, they have some cap space. They don't have the cap space they had last deadline, obviously. And I think right now, according to Cap Friendly, they could add a contract that's worth about two and a half million. That'll go up, could go up, I think, as high as five million if they manage the cap as best they can until March 3rd. But if your ideal situation is let's go out and get some guys that bring a little bit of edge, a little bit of scoring skill, uh, just just beef up this team. Those to me are some guys that you probably want to look at. Yeah, it's interesting when you go through the players, some of them I know personally, like Adam Ernie, and I know that he understands offense and how it how it is created and, and how to get up ice. And he's a great skater and he's a big body and he's learned how to play net front. And uh, Barbashev, who I'm very familiar with, St. Louis, and I respect their offense as, as much as any in the NHL last year. They were the best team on two-on-ones, three-on-twos. They've got a, a very dynamic uh, forecheck. And sometimes I like to look at the player that you're trying to inquire about. And is that the player that's playing in a system or on a team that I respect? And It's not always great to go and pluck the guy from the 32nd team in the league that hasn't played a hard game in, in months, maybe and hasn't had a great attitude and maybe has checked out or you go to the guy that you know is fighting for a contract that you do get at the right cycle of his career there's a lot of homework that goes into this but uh, those two names off the top for me that you mentioned Barbashev and Ernie for sure are two that I would really like and then it's like I you can have a lot of offline communication and that's the big thing here it's it's communicating to the player through the agent um, keeping everything above board of course uh, because there are tampering and, and things of that nature around the league. And you have to know, and you can't make a mistake because your playoff success oftentimes hinges on those decisions that are made at the trade deadline. You have to get the right people in and you have to make sure that you're not taking really good people out of your room too. You, you can't disrupt the chemistry when it's really good. I mean, I, I thought it was pretty wild to see that today, that after 48 games, the Rangers only have one more regulation loss than they did at this point last year. This isn't a team that you really want to meddle with too much, but I love what they've got going. I love the chemistry. You know, I love to see, I love to watch hockey like I did last night and I'm, I'm watching the Leafs play the Rangers and Hedl has a goal on the back of Kako. Kako makes three plays during that goal and he sets Hedl up across the ice. Hedl scores and for a second he stutter steps to go and celebrate and he stops himself and he goes right towards Kako. And they celebrate together. I'm like, yes, that to me, that's a team. That is a team. And uh, that's what I love about the game. It, it takes everybody to be one. And if everybody knows the rules, and I'll never forget um, Elaine Nazardine when he was working with the Devils as the defensive coach and running the PK. And we were talking about PK because at the time their PK was going well. And I was like, what kind of tweaks have you made that kind of stuff? And he was like, well, like, beyond all that, but the biggest thing about PK is that you have guys on the PK that want to be on the PK. And that conversation is the same when you're talking about Goudreau, Goche, and Vizi are those guys that want to be on the fourth line because Vizi's happy to be in the league and so is Goche. And go through the lineup. Uh, the kids are happy because they're playing together and they love it together. And is that a great line for everybody because they're in a positive space? And is Panarin and Zibanejad feeding off each other because one's got speed and the other knows how to slow the game down? And they can hit holes and hit angles. And Kreider, when he's playing at his best, is that guy net front. And if everybody can play their role, isn't that when that, that chemistry really shows itself? And that's where you have the, the magical moments that you do like the comeback against Dallas. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We've left out two guys that are on the roster too that, uh, you know, could conceivably obviate the need to go out and get new line mates. Um, Sammy Blay, who was on a conditioning stint in Hartford after basically playing his way off of this roster. He did score a goal in the AHL, so that is technically uh, – he scored a goal for the Wolfpack last night. Technically his first goal as a Ranger. Didn't happen for the Rangers, but maybe it'll lead to something. Um, now, Blay was going to be this guy that we're talking about, and for a couple of games last season, he was that guy before he got hurt, and it seems as though you know, guys do come back from, from ACLs quickly and promptly and don't – you know, move right past it and they're fine. And it seems that uh, Blay is still stuck, you know, mentally, maybe even physically. You know, I, I know that he's wearing a big knee brace like a lot of guys do, and it's seemingly hampering. You know, I would imagine you watch him skate around and you'd say this guy doesn't, you know, if you put video of him before the injury and video from him this year side by side, you'd see a guy who just isn't confident in what he can do on the ice. And yeah, he's he you know good on him for you have to if you're a veteran you have to agree to a conditioning stint he agreed to it so that's i think that's a positive step there's no animosity between him and and anyone else in the organization he clearly wants to figure this out and if he can figure it out that's less capital you have to spend at the trade deadline if you're Chris Jury you you cuz you know that this guy can bring it a little bit he's can't score apparently anymore <laughs> since he's come to the rangers but um he does give you that physical presence. He was a pretty decent skater before the injury. Um, you know, you played, I'm sure, Valley with a lot of guys, and we talked about it a little bit, the confidence thing last week with Lafreniere. But when you're a guy like that who's, you know, he's 26, 27, he's coming up on unrestricted free agency in a couple of years. He's got a Stanley Cup ring, but he's got no goals in a year plus as a Ranger. You know, where does it go from here and how can – you know, can a two-week or 10-day conditioning stint turn it around for a guy like that? Well, that's what the minors is there for, number one. And that's great use of using the American Hockey League team because you have to when you're trying to rehab not just players physically, but you're trying to rehab their mental game, right? And I'll give you one good example. Joseph Ballet. Does that name ring a bell? Joseph It does Ballet. to me. I'm sure to some hardcore Ranger fans it does. Yeah, so we had him in Hartford during the 0405 lockout coming off of the year before where if you saw this guy play in the American League, you were just, you know, you're saying to yourself, just lock him up as a, a first or second line player. He is so electric. He's got so much confidence, skates like the wind, great puck handler, could distribute it. Hell of a shot. I faced him every day in practice. I thought he was terrific. And then that was the year before. Then the next year comes in the 0405 year where we have that lockout. I had never seen a player go from that confident to that unconfident in, in a year. And it was like he couldn't score in practice. You know that game that we play at the end of practice where we all line up and we call it's called Juice Boy and the losing guy that can't shoot from the top of the hash mark and then get a breakaway and, and can't score on either of those. Uh, he stays in the game. Everybody else that gets one of two 
eliminates themselves from the game. Therefore, they don't have to go around and give juice to everybody after practice. Now, this guy lost Juice Boy every day. And, you know, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, how is this sniper not able to score? And it didn't matter if it was me or LaBarber. He just, it was very predictable the way that he played. And it was the first time it started to dawn on me, like, how important confidence is. You know, how you can go from being at the top of your game, at the top of your profession, and then all of a sudden, suddenly be at the very bottom. And sometimes injury sets you back. And sometimes a few poor performances and a lack of confidence sets you back. But the American Hockey League is there to help service those needs. And my hope for Blay is that, as you said, he scored last night and hopefully he gets a few more and he starts feeling himself again. Because I'll tell you what, I remember speaking to a goalie coach in St. Louis about him when the Rangers traded for him. And he was like, I love Sammy the Bull. This guy is a playoff performer, goes to the wall for people. The boys love him. You know, you get this glowing report. And unfortunately, he has his injury last year where he got you know, PK Sluband. And then, you know, there you go. He's, he's now trying to fight his way back into a role within the team. And it's, it's hard. It's hard because boy, oh boy, uh, it's, it's a week to week season. I oftentimes say, and for a player that does have credibility in the league, it becomes month to month. But if you have a bad year, it's very difficult to have another contract. It, It just is because the margins are so thin. The other, well, we, and Blay went down for conditioning. He stays on the roster. So the Rangers went from 22 guys on the roster to 23. And the 23rd guy was Will Cooley, uh, their second round pick from, I think, 2021, um, who's been the Hartford Wolfpack's leading scorer this year. 13 goals in about 35 games. So it's not exactly like he's setting the world on fire, but that team does not set the world on fire offensively. Um, but there's a lot to like with Cooley's game. He's a big body. Another one who, and obviously, you know, He's going to get brought along slowly and and making his NHL debut. He got the the solo rookie lap in his hometown in Toronto last night. He played, you know, maybe seven or eight shifts in that game. It was a little bit noticeable. I think maybe it might have been his last shift when he made a nice play to Gautier to set up a scoring chance. You know, went to the net. Mark Giordano pushed him down. He didn't try to avoid falling on Ilya Samsono. Fell right on him. Got, you know, pissed off some Leafs. And that, I think, is the essence of what Cooley can bring when he's at his best, which is he's a decent skater for a big guy. He's not shying away from any contact or any any scrums or anything like that. And he can put the puck in the net. He didn't really get a chance to show that. And, um, you know, his first shift was a minus when uh, the Leafs opened the scoring early on and his first shift is in the NHL. Probably won't want to remember that. But, um, but he has a little bit to offer. And I think uh, the other guy that we'd left out of that, roster construction conversation was Vitaly Kravtsov, who was a healthy scratch last night. Um, you know, he's a guy, and as uh, Turk was saying, he's not a fourth-line guy, which is the role he played in in the previous game um, and barely played and was barely noticeable. Uh, is there room for him in the top six? You know, if you go out and get a couple guys, you'd think that a guy who's already being healthy scratch right now is probably going to drop off completely. You know, the the ups and downs with him since he was drafted – Playing in the AHL, going back to Russia a couple of times, um, finally committing to being here. And, you know, he's he's had, I guess what you'd say, minimal impact so far this year. We've seen flashes, but not really a whole lot. Uh, is he a guy you feel like that can fit into their plans as they go towards the important part of the season? Not yet. Not yet. Unless there's need. I just, I don't know. Okay, I don't think he's strong enough yet. And that's just um, overall size and strength. 
And do you remember that phase that Bushnevich went through where he wasn't quite ready yet physically, and then he was removed from the lineup for a period of time and just got his core stronger. He had to get stronger physically. They actually just sent him to the gym during the season. And he came back and he was like, oh my God, this guy's like a much better player now. And, and <laughs> his development his development path was a little bit longer. I, I, I think that to be fair with Bushnevich, it was probably five years in and then he popped, right? So I feel like Kravy's still in that early phase, the one that Bushnevich was in. It's not much different than what he was going through. And then, of course, has become a top player. St. Louis loves him, you know, and, and the Rangers loved him before. Just couldn't afford him. But Bushnevich and Kravtsov, to me, have a lot of similarities there. And at some point, this guy's going to pop. I mean, I'm not questioning that. But for right now, I think he would have to play better than and unseed Kittle, Kaka, or Lafreniere. And I don't think that from what I get the sense is that Gerard Glant doesn't really love having him on that line with Trocek. Uh, yeah. When Panera and he and Trocek played together, they were a minus. They were giving up a lot. And they need a real strong defensive conscious on that line. And I don't think he's that guy not to be, you know, maybe he's not ready for the playoff game yet either, right? So could he come in and be a guy that helps depth-wise? Sure. But I don't think that's where we're going to see the second line end up. I don't. I think he'd have to get an opportunity at some point here over the next 34 games and unseat one of the other young guys. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that either. So, uh, And we'll finish here. Uh, we talked a little bit about the All-Star game uh, with maybe Mika Zibanejad making it. He did not. Uh, but two other guys won the fan vote. Adam Fox, Artemi Panarin. So three Rangers going down to South Florida uh, while you and I are going to be on vacation. Um, that's a lot, you know, for for the format that it's in, uh, you know, where everybody gets at least one guy. It really is the. I think it's probably about the most you can get. So it's a that's a that's a nice compliment to to the roster that they have and the the performances that they've had this year. Oh, so you're starting to change your tune on the All Star? <laughs> hey, I don't, okay. I don't have to go. If, if they have to go, that's fine for them. It's a big honor. Not really an honor for me or you. So we're going to go do no. what we're going to do. But, but yeah, good for them. no, we we're happy to have the break. We're a lot older, and we get a little more tired with the grind of the season. I just, I still come from the perspective of, I think for me, just being a kid, and I how much I loved watching the All Star Game as an adult. I think we have to remind ourselves that not everything is for us, and. <laughs> If, if the players during the All-Star game are saucing pucks into the mouths of crocodiles with meat patties, and that's one of the events, just go along with it because it's for the kids. It's not for us. But just like Disney is for the kids and it's not always for us. That's uh, right. But, we all have to know, make our sacrifices. We all have to make our sacrifices. At the end of the day, though, I still will stand by the fact that it's a great, positive um, euphoric. I want to say euphoric feeling for these players to be amongst the best and be in that locker room and see the faces. And and, and I know you sit back at some point, if, and you really do, it does dawn on you that Adam Fox grew up being a Rangers fan, being a young guy coming to the Madison Square Garden on a Saturday night to see a hockey game. And, and now he's in an all-star game wearing that jersey. I mean, the sense of pride has to be overwhelming sometimes. And I'm so proud of these guys. Well, that's a good way to finish up and take us into our break and the NHL's break. We've got one more game tomorrow night against Vegas at the Garden, and then we're off on our separate ways for a week. But uh, thank you, Steve, for doing what you do and having a good first half of the season. This has been great. 
Thank you, buddy. I've really enjoyed it. It's nice to have a long format on the Rangers. Sometimes it gets a little short on TV, so it's nice to expand. I love it. And thanks, everyone out there, for listening to The Garden of Faithful. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review if you're enjoying the show. That can really help us out. And right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Steve Valiquette, Chris Flannery running things. I'm Arthur Staple. Have a great break, great all-star game. We'll see you in a couple weeks.